This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The trade we've all been waiting for out of Arizona is here. The Arizona Coyotes have traded Dyson Mayo to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Shea Weber, his contract, and a 2023 fifth-round pick. That's just in two minutes ago while we were in the break. I apologize if you turned on your radio and thought we were getting some chicken news here. Did I catch anyone with that, Cameron? <laughs> you caught me on that one. I was ready for, like, okay, where's <laughs> where's chicken going? Like, I'm oh ready. Oh, my goodness. No, nope, And just this mail. is great because the Calgary Flames are in Arizona. We've got uh, Steve Peters joining the show shortly, an analyst for Phoenix Sports. Wouldn't it have been just so serendipitous? <laughs> For Jacob Chikrin to get traded two minutes ago. Would've we would have looked like we had everything figured out. We planned the show perfectly. We knew something was going to happen, right? Yeah, we were or ready. Yeah, or just the Flames are, you know, at Mullet Arena tonight. 7.30 puck drop Flames game day in Arizona. Um, it's an interesting trade. I think, you know, the, my first reaction, obviously, is to make a joke about it. Yeah, this is this is the deal we've all been waiting for. But then you read it again and you go, wait a second, Shea Weber, Shea Weber's deal. Okay, so the Golden Knights are dumping Shea Weber's contract to Arizona. That's about $7.8 million that the Vegas Golden Knights have had stashed on LTIR. And maybe it's because I'm a little paranoid because of the way we know the Golden Knights operate. Like We know they're always going to be doing something. Even if they don't have any money to spend, they're going to figure it out. And so when I see them dumping Shea Weber, maybe they don't have something specific in mind right now, but this is clearly a move to open up some cap, flexibil- cap flexibility Excuse me, heading into the deadline, which is just nine days away next Friday on March 3rd. And maybe if they can't make a big swing at the deadline, now they've got a little bit more wiggle room in the summer. So it's not a huge deal, but it's interesting because it's the Golden Knights and uh, the financial implications that could come with this one. No Jacob Chikrin yet. Doesn't look like Chikrin's going to play tonight when the Flames and Coyotes face off tonight. Again, at Mullet Arena, puck drop at 7.30. According to Craig Craig Morgan of Phoenix Sports, Chikrin will not play tonight. He has not played since February 10th in Chicago. He has been out for trade-related reasons. That's the deal we've all been waiting for. Hasn't happened yet. He was on the ice at practice yesterday afternoon, and Coyotes head coach Andre Tourney said he was day-to-day when asked if he'd play against the Calgary Flames. Some other notes from the morning skate in Arizona. It looks like Carol Vimelka is expected to start for the Coyotes, and when it comes to the Flames, looks like it'll be Dan Vladar. And most of the lines at Morning Skate were pretty much the same as the last game. The only change would be Walker Dewar is on the fourth line instead of Adam Rizichka. That's from reports on the ground in the arena. I'm excited to see Mullet Arena again. I like, I kind of like watching Coyotes games because the, the arena is interesting. I would love to go to a game there. It seems fun. 
I know it's small and people like making jokes about it. It's only what, 5,000? Just under 5,000? Looks like a fun time. Maybe we'll ask Steve Peters about how he feels about the mullet. I'm sure he's been there. He's going to join us here shortly. He's our first guest of the day. And then later on in the hour, we're going to have Jeff Merrick on the show. He's the host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast, the Jeff Merrick show, and you see him on Hockey Night in Canada. I think we have we have Steve Peters on the line, right? We can go to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. Steve, I'm talking about the mullet. I think it's cool. I, I've come to enjoy it a lot. I know when you hear that they're going to play in a college arena and you see some of the, the pictures. I know the early reviews, people were like, what what the heck is this? But I think it's kind of fun. What's the atmosphere you know like? It, it, if, if you can actually get to see a game there, all of that goes away because the environment is like nothing you've ever seen in the National Hockey League. The worst seat is 13 rows from the ice. So you're talking about seeing some of the best players in the world where you can almost reach out and touch them. It, it's phenomenal. They've got a student section there. It is a fun place to watch a game. I know they get teased a lot, but it's become a home ice advantage. You, you look at them and they, what happens at the mullet, they won five of the last six at home, and that's beating teams like mm-hmm. Toronto, Colorado, New York Islanders, and Boston. It's hard. They call it mullet magic here because it's a hard game for teams <laughs> to come into and prepare to play a real hockey game. It's, it's cool. It reminds me when I was younger. So I grew up in southwestern Ontario. So the closest NHL arena we could go to was Toronto. And obviously going down to Toronto, getting a hotel, getting Leafs tickets, way too expensive, way too much money to go and sit in the nosebleeds. And so my family and I, we actually used to go to Raleigh and we would go to Hurricanes games and see teams that we liked and sit, you know, five rows from the glass and pay, you know, 50 bucks because this was, you know, (laughs) hockey wasn't booming in North Carolina yet back then. It wasn't, you know, selling out 25,000 seats at stadium series. So that was the play for us. So I think it's really cool that people have the opportunity to just be so close to the action, especially the way that the game is played now. seems like it'd be pretty fun. Yeah, but and the other thing you're seeing now is something that used to happen out in Glendale is where visiting teams are really being represented well at the mullet. So you will see a lot of Calgary Flames jerseys there tonight because although the ticket prices aren't what they were in Glendale because there's so few of seats, it's expensive. But you're still coming down here for the good Arizona weather. You're getting away from the winter time, and you're getting to see a product closer than you can in any other building in the league. It's fun. It's a fun place to watch a game, and – they're really competitive there. They've only had one game where they really got blown out at home against Dallas, but they're better at that building than people expect, and that's what happens. And that's the fear for Calgary fans. Because you look at some of the teams, and Minnesota got beat there last week, a team fighting for their playoff life, just like Calgary, and you come in there, and it's got the atmosphere of a preseason game. And you go, oh, well, this is no big deal. We're, we're a small rink. It's not a game. And then, uh-oh, all of a sudden it's a hockey game. So, that's the fear that these teams come in here and they're just not ready to play. So hopefully for Calgary fans, they are tonight at the Muller. So the Arizona Coyotes involved in a little deal right before we went live here. So sorry to throw this one at you. I feel like I haven't really had a lot of time to look at it either. But yeah. uh, the Vegas Golden Knights acquiring uh, Dyson Mayo from the Coyotes in exchange for Shea Weber, a.k.a. Shea Weber's contract that's yeah. been stashed on LTIR and a fifth-round pick in 2023. 
you know, we don't have to get too much into Dyson because it looks like he's already been assigned to the American Hockey League. Um, but is this an example of what you think the Arizona Coyotes could be doing, you know, down the deadline? We've seen them do this before. They're kind of flexing the amount of cap space that they have to let other teams kind of, you know, have a little bit more flexibility. Is that right to look at this as maybe this is just kind of a cap flexibility type move here? Yeah, and that's what Bill Armstrong does here, and he's shown a history of that, and he's trying to stockpile these draft picks, whether it's the fifth-round pick for a player. They really like Dyson Mayo. He had a lot of games last year. He was able to become part of the regular rotation, played 67 games. He's a nice player. He's lost his spot. He's an American League player for this franchise. So you turn him into a fifth-round pick, and you start to look at all of the draft picks that Bill Armstrong has acquired. He's one of the few teams now at this deadline that can take on any salary, any cap space, any money, and absolutely going to use that to his advantage. I mean, you talk, you talk about next year and the next year after that, the number of picks he has in the first three rounds is actually astounding. He's got 11 picks in the next three years in the first two rounds. It's insane what this team is trying to do as, as far as draft picks. I, I know when we saw a defenseman going to Vegas, everybody thought it was going to be Jacob Chikrin finally moving, yeah. but it was Dyson Mayo. Yeah, I started the show with, you know, breaking news. We've got we've got the yeah. deal with the Coyotes we've all been waiting for. Um, let's go to Chikrin a little bit here. It, it looks like, according to Craig Morgan, uh, one of your colleagues at Phoenix Sports, that he is not going to play tonight against the Calgary Flames. It's been quite an interesting, what, 10 days? It hasn't been hasn't quite been two weeks yet since Jacob Chikrin was announced that he'd be out for trade-related reasons, rumors are swirling that night. Uh, I believe it happened in like the second period of a Leafs game. So of course, all the the Leafs fans started, you know, going, "Oh my God, are we, are we about to win this game and acquire Jacob Chikrin?" Uh, and I think a lot of people thought he would maybe go to LA. He's still out of the lineup. Nothing's happened. Like, what happens next, Steve? Like, what do you make of all of this with Jacob Chikrin? This is hard. This is hard because you look at what happened leading up to this. You look at a game earlier in the week. They played Minnesota. Chikrin gets two of the three goals, and he's the second star of the game. On the night before all of this occurs, he plays 30 minutes in Chicago, a huge part of the team, played a lot of minutes, and then when he gets held out, everybody's saying, this is it. It's finally happening. I think it's more that this team saw him play 30 minutes and go, "Uh uh-oh, if this asset gets hurt right now, we're out of luck. So I think they were out of an extreme abundance of caution. They held him out of that first game in St. Louis. But what I don't think they anticipated is what happens next and, and all the furor over what happens with Jacob. Oh, he's traded here, there. Now it's become because Jacob Chikrin's got to play. And if I'm, a, if I'm a team that's looking at Jacob Chikrin seriously, whether it's, you know, whether it's Toronto, it's Edmonton, it's L.A., it's whoever it is, I want to see him play again. Because one of the things interesting that the head coach, Andre Turney, said today is, well, the situation is day-to-day. Now, I know <laughs> he wasn't saying an injury, but he said the situation is day-to-day. So to me, it's, is there something we don't know after playing 30 minutes against Chicago that he's just not feeling quite right and they don't want to jeopardize it and they're just waiting till he is 100%? I'm starting to wonder now, especially after you practiced with the team yesterday, I thought for sure he would play tonight against Calgary, but I still would not be surprised if he plays on the weekend against Nashville. I don't think Jacob Chikrin's trade is imminent, and I don't think um, he is going to be gone before they play Nashville, and I think he plays before the trade deadline. 
uh, trade's not imminent. That that much is very, very clear at this point. But do you still believe that he's going to get moved at the deadline? Or do you think that, you know, the potential cost to acquire him is just too high for some of these general managers? That's We have a debate at work about that, Craig and I. And I, I, I personally <laughs> think he is not going to be moved before the deadline. I think the ask is too okay. big for right now. I think it's too complex of a deal with what it does for implications of other teams' assets and their their cap space. I think this is a deal much more suited to just prior to um, the draft when you have a little bit more time and people have time to make you know two- and three-team deals. Nothing can't get happen. can't happen because, you know, once one team makes a trade, the dominoes fall. And it's, it's how desperately do you need this asset. Look, Jacob Chickering can put up numbers. He's an offensive defenseman. What, what he has added to his game this year is his ability to defend. For the first time in his career, he's plus eight right now. Last year, he was minus 20. He's become 20, a 200-foot player. He plays physical in the defensive zone. He's become much more aggressive as a player. So he becomes a double threat asset now, not just a one-dimensional player that provides offense. There are teams that need him. There are teams that need him going into the playoffs. I just don't know if general managers are willing to or even have the first-round picks and draft assets that the GM Bill Armstrong wants in return because some teams have already traded those away to get players like Ryan O'Reilly. So we'll see. I think it's interesting with, you know, it seems like a Luke Shen deal could be a little bit more imminent, and I wonder if there's a little bit of, you know, the Coyotes front office saying, like, let's let some of these other guys come off the board, see how much general managers pay for that, and that will just be able to not dictate but make them feel more secure in the ask that they've rumored to been looking for for chickens like if you know Luke Shen's going to yeah. go for a second or Gavrikov's going to go for for a high pick as well like we are we are totally fine asking we are justified in what we're asking for for Jacob Chickren. like let the other guys set the market a little bit maybe it's a bit risky i don't know like yeah. what do you how do you evaluate the way that they've been kind of handling this situation well, what he has shown before, and he waited for a Dvorak trade to Montreal. You'll never get a first for Christian Dvorak. Well, he did. He waited and waited and waited and got a first out of Montreal. You can't get a first for, for Darcy Kemper. He didn't fish strong, finish strong enough season, maybe a second round. Well, he waits and waits and waits and gets a first from Colorado. I think with Jacob Chikrin, the market is set. Like He, he wants a first-round pick and an equivalent of either a, another high draft pick or a player that was drafted high that's still a, a developing prospect. He's not budging from that because the worst case is he ends up with his own 24-year-old defenseman that he has signed at a 4.6 cap hit over the next two seasons. That's a win. Like, Jacob Chikrin is in his seventh season, and he's 24. So it's, it's, it's a situation where he can wait it out, and that if it is going to be a deal, it won't be until the last minute of the deadline where somebody finally goes, okay, we need this, and we're going to pay. Look at, look at Brandon Hagel last year. What, what he demanded to get um, out of Chicago down to Tampa. Well, Tampa trades those high picks away, but they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals again. Is a team willing to do that for Jacob Chikrin? I do think they are. It's just going to be a matter of will they do it at the trade deadline or at the draft? If it is this trade deadline, it's going to be a last-minute deal, I think, to your point, after the market's been set and you go, okay, if Braden, if, um, if Shen's dra- demanding this, then Chikrin's, clearly going to demand that 
Um, moving on from Jacob Tricker and, and, and looking elsewhere on the blue line, I wanted to talk to you about Yuso Valimaki. Obviously, Flames fans are pretty familiar with Yuso. He gets waived at the beginning of the season, picked up by the Coyotes, and it really seems like he's finding himself in Arizona. He's kind of become the player that a lot of fans of his as a prospect expected him to become. It's a bit of a Flames loss, especially when you see some of the injuries and the struggles they've had on the blue line and, and Arizona's gain. What have you seen from Yuso this season in Arizona? You know, he's really evolved this year, and, and it's really happened. His big step has really happened over the last few weeks when you saw both Gostas Bear and Chikrin held out of the lineup, and his ice time jumped from – you know, 14, 15 minutes a night to over 20 consistently. So now he's an over 20-minute guy out in all situations, and his hockey IQ is very high. Um, he defends well, but he also gets the puck up the ice extremely quickly. I, he's, he is highly thought of in this group right now, and he's a guy that this team is looking for to fill those spots and to be able to eat minutes. Right now he's not the guy providing the offense, and you look at his offensive numbers, they're not there yet. But they're a guy that they're so confident in is his ability to eat minutes and play on top pairs and defend against the other team's top players that he's playing a lot of minutes. They think very highly of him on the coaching staff. And thank you to Calgary because that was a big pickup for this team that really needed some help on the back end. You know, you had an aging guys, you had Nemeth and Brown, and even a Troy Stetcher who still has shown he has a lot left in the tank. But they needed some some youth and some young legs, and, and Yusuf Alamaki has definitely provided that. You mentioned the Coyotes' home record playing at, at the Mullet recently. They've been pretty good. What, five of their last six they've won at home, and they're also on a nine-game point streak. What seems to be going so well right now with the Coyotes? You know what? First of all, I'm sure the Calgary Flames would love to be on a nine-game point streak. The Arizona Coyotes are not thrilled about this. And Clayton <laughs> Keller made a joke coming off the other day after getting a game-winning goal saying, I bet the general manager is not too happy about this. And he's probably right. With the Connor Bedard sweepstakes coming up, you don't want to finish where they're at right now. Like they're, they're looking at picking from 7 to 10 right now. Not ideal in this draft. But what this team does, and you have to take your hats off to this coaching staff, this team works hard. They come to the rink. They're happy to be here. They understand about the rebuild but they're happy to play under this coach and he gets this team playing hard for 60 minutes. They've been down two and three goals and find a way to battle back. And the other piece is they've had above average goaltending. Both Karel Vamelka and Connor Ingram have been outstanding. If not for this tandem, this team is absolutely in the race to the basement. You look at Connor Ingram over his last three starts, He's been out back-to-back shutouts. He shut out the Tampa Bay Lightning with 47 saves. He has been elite. And Corral Vimelka, with his athleticism and his compete, he's won games on his own. So it really goes to the, their ability to stop the puck and their ability to continue to compete in games. And that's what, when you look at the Calgary Flames watching this tonight, you have to get through that first 10 minutes at the Mullet Arena because it's, it's happened so many times in that first few shifts where this Arizona Coyote team really jumps on you in those opening shifts. Players like, like Bugstad, guys, and you talk about the skill of, of Keller and Schmaltz, they have more offensive women that people are aware of. And, and I think by the time you, you get through that first period of the moment and you're down one nothing, you're going, well, what happened? So it's their good starts, their ability to play at home, their goaltending, and they're sharing the offense amongst 
several players. So you stole one of the questions almost exactly as I wrote it, and it was where would this team be without Carol Vimelka? He's been incredible, and, and since you already said they'd they'd be in the basement, I can you know go to the follow up here. He's played so well that. I think a contender having some issues in the crease could do way worse than trying to add somebody like Vimelka. Do you think that's a possibility? I know he's got three years under contract right now. He's playing well for the team. He's integral to, to what's going on. Do you think he's somebody who, who could be moved for the right price? You know, because we know that there's some teams out there who, who've got some question marks and goal and, and he would certainly help a contending team in the crease. I still think he's 26 years old. It's only a second season in North America. And, and we're not just in the NHL, but in North America. So it took him some time to adjust. When they brought him over from Chechia, the plan was he's an American League goalie. That was the plan. He played his way onto this team a year ago. And his numbers last year were either really, really good or they were really, really bad. He, he had a trouble with consistency a year ago. He's found that this year. Do I think he's ready to be traded or that there will be a market for him? You're right. There are teams that could definitely use a Karel Vomelka on their roster. I'm not sure if this team's ready to part with him right now because he is at his age at 26. You look through when they're through the rebuild. Now you're looking at now he's 29, 30, and maybe an elite goal in this league and ready to win. This is going to be a situation if you see big goalie injuries, Coming up over the next 10 days, this is a guy you're going to start hearing a lot more about. You know, there's teams that I still think they have enough confidence in their number one. When you look at Vegas, you've got Aiden Hill's got bumps and bruises. Now Logan Thompson's hurt. You've watched Laner for the year. Never say never when it comes to general managers and the trade deadline <laughs> because he has shown his consistency this year. And I tell you what, he has single-handedly won games. So I won't say no. I say it's unlikely, but never say never. Just people haven't heard of him. Like you don't. Karel Vamelka is not a household name yet. I think it may be someday, but it isn't yet. <laughs> I think you look at some of his, you know, more underlying numbers, and you look at, you know, I, last time I checked, so I don't have current figures in front of me, but he's one of the top goalies in terms of goals saved above expected. Um, he's among the top in terms of shots faced, time on ice. Like he plays a lot. For the Coyotes, he takes a lot of of shots. He's a very busy goalie, and his numbers, you know, maybe if you look at his save percentage or his goals against numbers, they don't look great. Uh, but when you look at the volume and the amount of playing time he gets, and then those goals saved above expected numbers, you can just think, what would he do in front of a, you know, a contending team with a lockdown defense? He's yeah, very he's, interesting he's to me. You're right, and you've got to look at the team he plays for, and you, we've talked about their top six. If you showed, with especially with Chikrin and Gossespierre out of the lineup, and you showed this top six to a lot of hockey people around the league, they wouldn't know who they are. I mean, that that's how this doesn't get the defending you get from some of these teams that are at the top of the league right now. And that's not a knock to the Coyotes defensemen. They work extremely hard. They're just not the, the household names that you're hearing from on some of the top teams. You know, we talk about Colorado and Tampa and Boston and and, and – and down the list, but so he has to perform more. And you talked about the shots. The, this team, it, they give up more than 30 shots every single night. Some nights it's more than 40, and it's every single night. So one of the things that happens to Corral 
as he starts to wear down and get tired. And that's where you see these numbers start to escalate and elevate. Last year at Scott Wedgwood, and Wedgie came in, and he was able to shut the gate and give Corral a rest. Ingram took some time. And he, Ingram struggled his first month here. Now he's starting to be able to be relied on so he can give Corral Malka some rest. So I would expect his numbers to even get better. But you're right. He faces a lot of shots, and he gets in a lot of tough situations for a team that still gets a lot of penalties and sits in the penalty box a lot, too. So he, he is a goalie that competes well, works hard, keeps his mouth shut, plays the right way, and is extremely well-liked by his teammates. And you talked about it, saves above, above expected. He's been top 10 almost all season. So this is a guy, you're right, I think he will get closer to the trade deadline if there's an injury, maybe. What else do you think could be coming out of Arizona heading into the deadline? I know Chikrin's the big name. We had a trade, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago. Uh, they have several other unrestricted free agents, a ton of cap space. I'm looking at cap friendly right now. Their deadline cap space is currently at $70 million. Uh, so what do you think? What should we be keeping an eye out happening in Arizona in the next week leading up to the deadline? Well, the big names you've got already. But Shane Gossespierre is a guy they expect to be gone by the trade deadline. He's going to be an offensive guy. For Arizona, he's the number one power play defenseman. On a Stanley Cup chasing team, he's going to be a, a secondary, second power play guy, offensive defenseman. The one piece I think is going to go that this team will miss desperately is Nick Bugstead. He's a high draft pick of Florida. He just never really, between injuries and lineups, he never really caught on. Minnesota, he was a 13th forward last year, playing fourth-line minutes. He's found a home in Arizona. He's playing on the second line, and he's providing a lot of offense for this team. He's a guy that he's got 13 goals, 23 points. He's a bigger body, gets to the net, and he's an absolute professional when it comes to how he prepares for the games and what he's like in the locker room. He's going to be a good pickup for a team that's looking for help in their bottom six because he is physical enough and can provide that offense. They're going to miss Nick Bugstead. I, I think he's probably the most likely to go um, because he's not going to demand a first. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's going to be late second, early third round pick to get Nick Bugstead that's really going to help a team's depth that needs that kind of a player. Um, I, I don't know if you'll see Goss Despergo. He may. Um, the other guy I like on the back end is Josh Brown. Um, mm. former Boston Bruin, because he's playing more of a defensive role. He's a third-pair guy here, but he eats a lot of minutes, and he plays defensive. And you look at some of these teams that are struggling to keep the puck out of that. He kills penalties. He's got a long reach. He's tough. He can fight, and he can actually defend and put guys through the glass. So I've always been thinking someone might find a fit for Josh Brown somewhere lower, third-pair guy, maybe even a six-seven that comes in and out of the lineup. So he's another guy. But, but honestly – once you get past Jacob Chikrin, the only other the household name is going to be Goss All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much. Great stuff. Uh, enjoy the game tonight at the Mullet Coyotes and Flames at uh, 730. Thanks for this. Thanks, Amy. There goes Steve Peters. He's an analyst for Phoenix Sports. Taking a little look at the enemy for tonight. As I just mentioned, Calgary Flames taking on the Arizona Coyotes at 730 p.m., at Motorina in Arizona. That conversation was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. We're going to take a quick break, and coming up next, we're going to stick with 
some more deadline chat. It's sneaking up on me. I feel like we've been talking about the deadline for weeks, and now all of a sudden it's next week. So we're going to bring Jeff Merrick on. He's host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast, The Jeff Merrick Show. You see him on Hockey Night in Canada doing all that good stuff on Sportsnet and a lot of time spent with Elliot Friedman. So we'll take a spin around the league, look around at what to expect at the deadline with Jeff Merrick coming up next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. So I wish I saw this while we were still talking with Steve Peters, analyst with Phoenix Sports. This is from his colleague Craig Morgan. The Coyotes legends who have never played a game in Arizona, the lineup, it's really starting to take shape. Top line, Marion Hosa, Pavel Datsuk. You've got Little, your deep hairs, your top hair, Chris Pronger, and now Shea Weber. Dave Bolin will center the second line whenever that materializes. They just need a goalie. And I know we didn't get to talk to Steve about this, but I'm sure our next guest will love this kind of thing. It's Jeff Merrick. He joins us now on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. Jeff, is there a team with a better starting line of guys who've <laughs> never suited up for the team? Yeah, uh, no, this is pretty impressive when it comes to, uh, to old-timers games. This will be, <laughs> uh, this will be spectacular. Um, I'm trying to think of who the goaltender can be here. Uh, the Islanders Gotta go get Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop, there you go. Ben Bishop. Is Ricky Pietro still being paid by oh. the New York Islanders? Is Ricky Pietro available here? We just sort of spitball this on a, Is on he? a, on a Wednesday afternoon. Keep talking. Exactly Keep talking. Sure Let me look. Filibuster here. Because <laughs> I mean, he signed a 15 year deal in. <laughs> oh, know, shoot. It's a, it's a, it's He's done. Oh, you know oh, what? Was he, was, was he one of the Amnesty Bios? His bio. Ends in 2029. <laughs> Just spectacular. Um, like we, Bring we back the 15-year deal. <laughs> the NHL is trying to get it down. I remember in the last lockout, they were talking about a five-year deal. Five-year five year cap on, uh, on, on deals. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we'll, I like we'll that. See, we'll, see, we'll see where this one heads. Um, like, this is... I mean, I, I think we all know what's happening here. Like, from Arizona's point of view, it's pretty obvious. I mean, they're spending little money with a high cap hit to get to the salary cap floor for the next three seasons after this one. And uh, for the uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, now this makes it possible for them to bring on a, a relatively big-ticket player that has term, mm-hmm. right? So if they make the move for Patrick Kane, it doesn't matter. Because you know you, the, the the summer, no, there's there's no summer cap it to take into account here. But now, right. you know, you can probably fire up the Timo Meyer rumors for uh. the uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights here, right? Because all of a sudden now, you know, uh, you got rid of the Shea Weber contract. LTIR doesn't count in your uh, against your salary cap in the off season. You can go above the salary cap in the off season. Now they have room to bring on a player that has some terms. So that's the main thing here for Vegas. It helps with bringing in a player that has term for the Arizona Coyotes. Once again, here we are. Um, they need some help getting to the salary cap floor and are paying pennies on the dollar to get there, Haley. 
Well, I was scrolling through Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts that came out this afternoon while we were in the break and looking at the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, before this trade came out. I believe the story came out around 10, 30, 11 uh, earlier this afternoon. And he had said that the Golden Knights are a big, big wild card. Mark Stone's not going to be back in the regular season. Logan Thompson will probably be back before the playoffs. They've yep. looked into Meyer, but it could be tricky because of the off-season cap. <sighs> now, now this takes care of that. <laughs> Great. Well, now, can the, always the, count the, on the Vegas the, Golden Knights to give us something to talk about. The well, the oh, that isn't that the truth. Well, the issue there is now, um, you know, how do you know how do San Jose Sharks fans feel about dealing with Vegas? Like, there's a there's a real animosity between these two organizations. I, I can mm-hmm. recall when Pete DeBoer, when Pete DeBoer was hired by the Vegas Golden Knights, the outcry was kind of spectacular. Like, hang on, we're a Vegas, we're, we're the Vegas Golden Knights here. We've been trained to hate anyone from San Jose. They've had, you know, some pretty emotional games and, you know, uh, one very remarkable playoff series, playoff round. Um, is there like, will there have to be a, a, a San Jose Vegas tax attached to any deal <laughs> that San Jose makes with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, with Mike Greer knowing, uh, how poorly this may be received to see Timo Meyer end up with the Vegas Golden Knights. If that is indeed the way that the, the way that this thing goes. Well, I wonder who else could be in the mix for a Timo Meyer. He's kind of, it's he already lot. was the shining. He was the bell of the ball already, but now you've got Bo Horvat yeah. off the board. Noah O'Reilly, Tarasenko's off. Now he's even more of a hot commodity, and the price probably went up after everyone saw first-round picks flying around for Bo Horvat and Ryan O'Reilly and, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Yep. Well, I mean, the obvious one is New Jersey. Um, they have both, you know, the desire, the need, um, the assets available. Uh, like, I, I don't know, maybe outside of the St. Louis Blues, we can get to them in a couple of seconds here, Haley. I don't know if there's a team that could offer more right out of the gate for Timo Meyer than the New Jersey Devils. Like, I don't know if it's a situation where New Jersey has said, you know, if Tom Fitzgerald has said to Mike Greer, like, look, here's our offer, but if you get something better, circle back. Right. Like, give us give us a sort of, you know, the, the last right of refusal uh, on any deal. I don't know if that conversation's been had, but, you know, there are only really a, 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 a few untouchables. Like, I don't think they want to let go of Nemec at all. So they uh, they selected third overall at the at the, the most recent draft. Was it third or was it second overall? I think it was second overall. Yeah, it was second. That they took second overall at the draft in Montreal. I don't think you want to let go of him. But you know there are whether it's prospects, whether it's first round picks um, that are available. New Jersey can get this one done. And the one thing I think we all wonder about in, with New Jersey is not are they skilled enough to get there, but are they big and strong enough to get through? Mm-hmm. And make no mistake about it, this is a very highly skilled team with you know highly skilled centers and Nico Heischer and, uh, and Jack Hughes, uh, highly skilled play wingers like Jesper Bratt. Um, but I I think that there is there is a concern that they might not be big enough come playoff time. It's a smaller skilled roster. Like it's a really really good team, but are they you know do they have the the the, the muscle to get through here a Timo Meyer deal? Um, certainly addresses that, but I I know that Elliot thinks that Vegas is the wild card here. I still think that St. Louis is. Yeah. Like, I don't think that St. Louis is going to take much of a step back here, Haley, at all. That's not 
the way Doug Armstrong operates. And really, when you even go all the way back to 1967 expansion and the birth of the St. Louis Blues, that's not how they operate either. Like they're, they're, they've never really shown any interest in having any type of traditional take it down to the nuts and bolts type rebuild. Um, they're going to do this on the Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo tile, um, timeline. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what Arizona wants for Jacob Chikrin, or you look at what the San Jose Sharks want for someone like Timo Meyer, um, St. Louis kind of has it, don't they? I mean, they have three first-round picks. I don't think anyone expects Doug Armstrong to go up there and make three announcements of, of three players. That is just not a St. Louis Blues thing to do. Uh, to say nothing of, you know, young prospects, like whether it's Jake Neighbors or Joel Hofer or Scott Prunovich, like I I wonder how much of a player St. Louis is going to be here now that they've sold, if they turn around and start using those assets to buy. They they might be the most intriguing, the most intriguing team here out of all of them, Haley. It's not lost on me that Elliot, you know, just randomly floats in his blog here. If not Meyer, what if Alex Dabrinkit doesn't sign in Ottawa? Oh, oh, just just an idea that I had. You know, drop it well, in there I, for no reason I, at all. And the Dabrinkit uh, yeah. conversation is is a pretty interesting one too. I know you had Ian Mendez on your show yesterday yeah. to talk about it. That's gonna that's gonna be one to watch. I don't know if something happens at the deadline, but that'll be probably a pretty big topic near the draft. I would assume. Well, and that's when he got traded last year was was day one of the draft um, from Chicago to the Ottawa Senators. You wonder if, you know, DeBrinckit goes again. Um, for whatever reason, and some have said, you know, whether it's the coaching style of, of DJ Smith where, you know, Alex DeBrinckit, you know, is more of a guy who likes to hang on to the puck um, on a, something like a zone entry, control the puck in the offensive zone. DJ Smith is very much a you know, dump it in face up against the glass type coach. Does that complement Alex DeBrinkett's game? Can he be Alex DeBrinkett or the Alex DeBrinkett that we know while playing that style? I think that's uh, a question here. Um, either way, it seems as if the Ottawa Senators want to punt this discussion into the summer when new ownership takes over. And I- I'm not so sure which way it's, it's going to go. He's still under team control. Um, but it's a large number. It's a big qualifying number. Uh, not sure that Ottawa wants to do that if they're not maximizing the value of Alex DeBrinkett. So maybe we should look again at Alex DeBrinkett being on the move um, come the NHL draft uh, later uh, later on in June. I don't know, um, but that's kind of the way that it feels more than, than anything else right now. He's got a similar contract structure as Matthew Kachuk last season, right? He's got, I think it's a $9 million qualifying offer. He's an RFA with arbitration rights, and he's one year from UFA? Same thing. You got the Matthew Matthew Kachuk deal. I wonder if he will take note of what Matthew Kachuk did and try to, you know. He's got all the control. Matthew showed that for, for guys in that situation. I don't think it would surprise anybody. I, I, I really don't. Like, we haven't like, – I don't know how you feel about DeBrinkett, but I kind of look at him and I pencil him in for, okay, baseline for Alex DeBrinkett is going to be 35 goals Yeah. every single season. Like, that's how we have always seen DeBrinkett, um, for whatever reason, hasn't been that same player this year. As you mentioned, big qualifying offer for the Ottawa Senators. 
we'll see. I, I think we expect with new ownership there to be changes at a lot of levels um, and probably, you know, on, on the ice as well, given the way that this season has gone. So this is one of those, let's punt it to the summer when the new owners take over and we'll see where we're at with Alex DeBrinkett. Um, let's look at some of the other teams around the league, Jeff. We'll, we'll take a sure. spin around with some trouble spots. I don't know about you, but I am watching the Washington Capitals with keen yeah. interest. You know, they're, I think they're 12th in the East in terms of points percentage. Tons of injury issues this season. They've still got yeah. Alex Ovechkin. He's back and he's still going for the record. And I know ownership is set as long as Alex is is playing and he's going for for the Gretzky record like we're gonna be competitive um they said that a couple months ago before things started maybe going downhill a bit um they've got 11 unrestricted free agents too though like is this a team that you think should be selling by next week I do um I, I really do and there's a lot of you know the, first of all there's a lot of blue liners that you know would be available whether it's Trevor Van Weemsdijk uh whether it's Nick Jensen whether it's Eric Gustafson who's having a really nice season um for them like there's a lot of depth blue line help and Haley what do we always hear around trade deadline time what are you looking for oh a depth right shot oh a couple of depth defense and depth <laughs> defense but yeah and, and right shot so you look at a Trevor Van Riemsdyk or, or Nick Jensen there uh, to fill out that quota. You know, the the one player that I'm – well, there's there's two up front that I'm really intrigued by because I'm very much of the mind that this is a Washington team that probably looks at their situation and says, you know what, it's probably not a bad idea to punt on this season, recharge, and come back next year because of the point that you just made. As long as Ovechkin is chasing Gretzky, they're going to ice a competitive team. Um, but how much more can you move this this thing forward if you let go of some of these defensemen? Uh, how much more can you move this thing forward if you you know make a deal for whether it's Connor Sheary or someone like Garnet Hathaway? Hathaway is fascinating to me because you look at what a team like Tampa has done traditionally every single year. They've loaded up on miserable players, guys that are just nasty to play against. Whether it's Corey Perry, whether it's Patrick Maroon, whether it's Brandon Hagel whether it's Nick Paul, like we focus so much on Tampa and the skill that they have, Kucherov and Point and Stamkos and Sorelli and Victor Hedman on the back end and Sergeyev, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, ask anyone that's played against Tampa in the playoffs, they're miserable to play against. Like they are awful and they make you want to quit. And that's kind of what Garnet Hathaway does. So I I wonder if there could be, because we know that, you know, Tampa is going to go out and and try to find another one of those types of players and they're not too expensive. I I wonder about someone like Hathaway with a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but there's like, there's a handful of players here that would be desirable for a, for a team that's looking for a long playoff run. And, you know, those are, uh, those are just a couple of them, but I, I don't think that this would be, any type of, you know, tear down, prolonged rebuild. It might just be, you know, Brian McClellan looking at this and saying, you know what, it's not there this year. Let's punt, regroup, and come back strong next season. Do you think the Penguins should be in that camp? Like, should Ron Hextall be doing the same thing? Or is he, like, should he be trying to do something to help his team right now? Because you kind of go all in on your group. You want to win one more time with the big three. Everyone's back together in the summer. Yeah. It would just seem a little bit 
backwards to then punt the season, but at the same time, they don't have a lot of cap space. <laughs> Maybe don't waste an asset when the when it's clear that the Penguins are not a premier team in the Eastern Conference. So should they be in the same boat as the Capitals? It's it's a great question. Like that one is so huge because on the one hand, to your point, you got the band back together, right? I mean, Brian Rust re-ups, Malkin re-ups, Latang re-ups, and it's you know what we've got. You know, Sidney Crosby here for for a few more years. Let's take a good run at this thing, while we still have Sidney Crosby under contract. And oops, like the thing about the Pittsburgh Penguins to me, Haley, is when they're good, they're real good. Like you look at the Penguins, and when they're on, holy smokes, it's one of the it's one of the most elite teams in the NHL. But they're the most intriguing team in this era because I don't know that I've seen a more highly skilled team have to work as hard as Pittsburgh does. And if they take their foot off the gas even a little bit, it kind of all falls apart, right? Like it's it's kind of like the um, the bicycle theory. If you keep pedaling hard, you won't fall off. But the minute you stop pedaling hard, you fall. Like, that kind of seems like the Pittsburgh Penguins to me. And now you find yourself in a situation where, like, I, I know you would look at it and say, well, hold on a second here. We're all going gaga about the Detroit Red Wings and saying how great this is and look at this charge by the Red Wings. They have the same record as the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we're saying the sky is falling about Pittsburgh. Um, but you can see the trend as the season continues. Um if it's me, and again, I don't have two hands on the wheel, I'd be looking at this season and, and I'd say, maybe let's see what we can get for Brian Dumoulin and try to come okay. back next season. We still have everybody under contract. You know, maybe let's let's see what we can get for some players who are on expiring deals. Let's see what we can get um, for maybe even someone like Jason Zucker. I think Elliot mentioned him in uh, in one of his blogs as well. Let's see what we can get for... Tristan Jari, let's see who we can get or what we can, what we can get rather for our expiring contracts. If I'm Ron Hextall, I'm probably looking that way. But then, you know, you go above Ron Hextall and I'm sure the uh, the mantra is we re-signed Malkin, we re-signed Rust, we re-signed Latang, not so we would punt on a season, but we would go for it. They may just end up being the team that does nothing come trade deadline and just cross their fingers and see how things go. Mm-hmm. Seems like the flames are in a, maybe a little bit of a similar boat. Cause they just, you know, committed to this new window, this new core, uh, but they probably shouldn't be a team that's super busy at the deadline because they just haven't been good enough. Um, we've got about one minute left here. I've got a very quick one for you, Jeff. Because I'm one of the ones that's gaga over the Detroit Red Wings. It's fun. The Eastern Conference <laughs> wildcard race. Like, we yeah. can call this a playoff race for the Red Wings, and there's a ton of them in the mix right now. Islanders, Panthers, Penguins, Red Wings, Capitals, Sabres. You could maybe even put the Senators in there. I think the Sens think they're still in it, but I don't. Mm. I, I'm not I'm not buying it. But you've got six yeah. teams that are in the mix right now, two spots who makes the playoffs, Jeff Merrick? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like you. I really want Detroit to make it because it's a fun story. And I really want the Buffalo Sabres to make it because you want, you know, teams that come in and, you know, rattle things around and, and you know, knock some, knock some teams out of the box here. Um, it's going to be tough for the Islanders with the Matthew Barzal injury. 
they already have a hard enough time scoring um, as it is. So that's going to be tough. So I might remove them from the equation. Uh, I'll say, <laughs> geez, this is tough. I'll say Detroit gets in okay. and, Florida, and Florida gets in. No those, penguins. Those, those would be my no, not no pet, no penguins. Listen, when they're bad, they're real bad, and <laughs> they're feeling it right now. And when you're bad and you're an older team, it's 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 tough to get it going again. It's mm-hmm. great in the playoffs. Like, like I'm I'm one of those people that you know Jim Nill always believes this in Dallas that it's those it's the veteran teams that tend to do well in the playoffs, the ones with experience. That's why I think if the Islanders can just get there. They have the type of team that can, you know, really knock some balls around in the in the in the postseason. The problem is getting there, but when a veteran team really stumbles like this in the regular season, it's it's tough to get that engine going again. So yeah, no penguinos. I'll take wings and caps. How about that one, Haley? All right, wings and caps or Panthers? Oh, you said cats. cats. I thought you changed cats. the yeah. washer. I was like, what the heck? All right, no. yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. We'll we'll Go Red Wings. It but, it's, but it's good. It's like it's a knife fight, man. It's fun. It's good. It's yeah. on time. It's oh, good. it's going to be great. Well, thanks for this, Jeff. I appreciate the time. Haley, you be well. Thank you. There goes Jeff Merrick on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Took a rip around the league. Lots of struggling teams that are going to be teams that are kind of on the bubble what are they going to do with the deadline? Are they going to do something silly like go all in when they're not very good? Or are they going to start selling off some assets? I think we'll see the Capitals start selling off. They've got 11 unrestricted free agents. They kind of have to. And that was a big deadline talk. Trade deadline day is on March 3rd. That is next Friday. And NHL trade deadline day on sports at 960 is brought to you by Tuxedo Source for sports. It may be trade deadline season, but it's time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything you need to be at the top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports at 2520 Center Street North. That's all the time we have for today on Hockey Central, Calgary Flames, Arizona Coyotes at Mullet Arena, 7.30 puck drop. You can catch all that. We've got Flames Talk coming up. You've got your pregame. You've got your broadcast. You've got postgame right here on Sports at 960, your home of the Flames.